A high-level Slovakian delegation met Taiwan officials on Monday to discuss the deepening of trade ties. The 43-person group is made up of business representatives as well as senior Slovakian officials. It's led by Slovakia's deputy economics minister who said on Monday that Slovakia wants to be an equal partner to Taiwan in good times and bad. Speaking in Chinese, Slovakia's deputy economics minister says Slovakia supports Taiwan, eliciting applause from the audience. The official is in Taiwan at the head of a 43-person delegation. On Monday, they attended the first session of the Taiwanese-Slovak Commission on Economic Cooperation. And would like to say that Slovakia is ready to become an equal partner. And not only in good, but also in hard times of the current pandemic situation. Today's establishment of the Commission on Economic Cooperation opens new ways of active and direct consultations and dialogue between ministries on both of our countries and is an important historical event of our bilateral relations. Walk steady, then you can go far. I hope that we can walk that walk together. Back in October, National Development Council Minister Gong Mingxing led a delegation to Europe. The visit included a stop in Slovakia, where he signed seven MOUs with the country. Now it's Taiwan's turn to host a delegation from Slovakia. Gong said Taiwan was forming a virtuous circle of bilateral exchange that he believed would bring positive change. The visits to each other's countries and the exchangers are laying the foundation for opportunities to cooperate and development projects in the future. We are executing President Tsai Ing-wen's vision of initiating virtuous circles. We hope that this can also extend to the realm of economic and trade ties. Slovakia established its representative office in Taiwan in 2003. This is the first time the country has sent a high-level delegation of this size to Taiwan, making the visit especially noteworthy. The significance of this trip could also be seen in other details. Slovakia's delegation had traveled to Taiwan in a government plane with livery featuring Slovakia's coat of arms and the official name of the country in Slovak. According to political analysts, it's a sign that Slovakia sees its relations with Taiwan as being quasi-official. Although Slovakia doesn't have official diplomatic relations with Taiwan, their choice of a plane clearly shows progress in their relations with us, that they value their ties with Taiwan. I think that it's almost tantamount to them saying that they are willing to upgrade their relationship with Taiwan, or even establish quasi-official ties. Scholars say the visit marks a breakthrough for Taiwan's diplomatic relations while showing the world that virtue always has neighbors. Taiwan's foreign minister gave an interview last week to Sky News' Australia's Global Focus, which is hosted by former Australian Defense Minister Christopher Pine. Foreign Minister Joseph Wu said that China was once incapable of taking over Taiwan, but it's now much, much more powerful, he said. They tried a couple of times in the uh, 50s. Uh, caused the uh, cross-strait uh, crisis by shooting at some of the uh, out, uh, outer islands uh, that Taiwan owns. Uh, but other than that, the Chinese military was not strong enough uh, to take Taiwan over militarily. And after all, there's the Taiwan Strait uh, separate Taiwan and China. But now the situation is very different. The China uh, is much more powerful than what it was before. And that is something that we need to be very cautious in dealing with China. China is trying to 
uh, expand itself. And after Hong Kong, many people think that uh, Taiwan is the next target of the Chinese government. Taiwan uh, has a tremendous value uh, in the international community. If Taiwan suffers uh, militarily, I'm sure the whole world is going to feel the impact. In related news, U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin addressed the Taiwan issue during a defense forum last week. In his address, he said that the U.S. one-China policy remains unchanged, as does its commitment to helping Taiwan defend itself. He said that recent PLA missions in Taiwan's air defense zone are preparations for an attack on Taiwan. Premier Susan Tang has received his second shot of AstraZeneca almost nine months after his first shot in March. After receiving the jab, he urged the public to get vaccinated to bolster Taiwan's defense against COVID-19. Almost nine months after his first shot of AstraZeneca, Premier Su Chang is ready to receive his second jab. He asked the doctor if the long interval would be detrimental to the vaccine's protective effect. He is told that even a 40-week interval is acceptable. Earlier this year, Su had been accused of faking his first shot. This time around, he made sure the injection was well documented. As further proof of his vaccination status, Su showed off his vaccination card, now stamped with two shots of AstraZeneca. He took the opportunity to urge more people to get inoculated. Now we have a lot of vaccines of all brands. The COVID situation has stabilized, and so people's interest in getting vaccinated is in the decline. I made a point of coming for my second shot as a way to encourage more people to get vaccinated and boost coverage as fast as possible. Su urged the public to get protected against COVID. Health Minister Chen Shizheng was at the vaccination site to oversee the injection. He was asked about a new vaccination or testing requirement for workers at 24 types of venues. Previously, the minister said that no one would be forced to get a vaccine. It cannot be said that we are forcing vaccination. This is a request. And people who are not vaccinated can get tested to ensure that the space is safe. Chen stressed that people would not be forced to get vaccinated. He said unvaccinated workers can choose to get tested routinely to ensure the safety of their workplace. Taiwan has reached its target of 60% full vaccination. The CCC announced the milestone on Monday at its daily press briefing. When asked if Taiwan will now lower its level 2 COVID alert, the CCC said that won't happen for at least two more weeks. Let's hear from the health minister. With regard to the issue of how much more vaccination needs to happen, all this time the CECC has framed the situation like a negative list, saying if second dose coverage doesn't reach 60%, then we will not consider going ahead with various reopening measures. But now that we have passed 60%, how we proceed will be based on our observation of the pandemic's global development and the situation with the new COVID variant. Over the short term, unless special circumstances arise, our epidemic prevention policies are not subject to change. We will monitor the situation for two more weeks. It is almost for sure that this variant has greater transmissibility, but we want to see if the rate of severe illness or death can be lower. That's an important variable we are monitoring now. 
The health minister said that the pandemic is heating up overseas. Before Taiwan adjusts its COVID policies, it will need to observe the behavior of the Omicron variant. Omicron was first identified in southern Africa in late November. It's since spread to at least 38 countries, leading to a new wave of new travel restrictions to stop its spread. Taipei MRT is bringing high-tech into its network in an effort to bring the cutting edge to Taipei Transport. Mixed reality technology has improved training for MRT drivers. New systems mix real and virtual worlds to make training more effective. The company is also improving passenger experiences through real-time data on apps. That makes it easier for passengers to choose the journey that's best for them. Putting on these MR goggles, you enter a virtual rail track. This is a training in how to drive the MRT. Taipei MRT and E-Tree have created a virtual model of the Wenhu Line EMU, giving train drivers an effective training method they can access anytime. Currently, we may often be in training during the night. But because of noise disturbance concerns, there are some sections of the track where we can't train. In the future, using this system and a screen, we can train anytime, anywhere. This will increase our crisis processing skills and reduce human error. On the Taipei MRT app, if you turn on dynamic information, different colors alert you to the crowding level in each train carriage. Passengers can check out the crowding and optimize their route before they even enter the station. You can already use the Taipei MRT Go app to find information on both the Banan and Wenhu lines. We expect to have three more lines added by March 2022, including the orange line we just mentioned, as well as the red and green lines. These three lines will be added next year. Taipei MRT is carrying out independent research to bring high-tech into its systems, including a digital platform to integrate the dispatch process in depots, linking operation control centers, depots and maintenance systems. They hope to bring the MRT fully into the digital age. Taiwan has activated a new long-range radar system in New Taipei to monitor its skies. Located in Cape Santiago, the radar can detect flights up to 250 nautical miles away. It replaces an older system that's been in service for more than 20 years. According to the transport minister, a second new long-range system will be activated in Pingdong next January. Transport Minister Wang Guocai and Civil Aeronautics Administration Director General Lin Guoxian headed to a radar station at New Taipei's Cape Santiago. Together, they activated a new radar system. This radar station is in line with the standards of the International Civil Aviation Organization. It can detect the position of the newest aircraft models. The Taipei Flight Information Region is extremely important globally. It oversees and manages the operations of 18 international flight routes. Installing the new long-range radar at Cape Santiago was no easy task. Workers had to endure rocky mountain roads and brave the inclement weather blown in by northeasterly winds. It took one whole year of high-altitude work to get the system ready. Taiwan currently operates nine terminal area radars with a range of between 60 and 200 nautical miles in Taipei, Taoyuan, Taichung, Kaohsiung, Hualien, Taidong, Penghu, and Jinmen. Taiwan also has two long-range radars, which can detect more than 1,000 aircraft at up to 250 nautical miles away. These two are located in New Taipei's Cape Santiago and Pingdong's Aluanbi. Altogether, they monitor flights in 18 international air corridors, mainly to and from the US, Canada, Japan, and South Korea. 
The network is an important part of air traffic management in the region. It also allows Taiwan to raise the alarm over military planes as it has full coverage surrounding the island. It should be able to help the Ministry of National Defense detect Chinese warplanes, as the ones in charge of the Taipei Flight Information Region. Using the latest long-range radar technology is a way to fulfill our international responsibilities. I hope that the completion of this radar station can help Taiwan be seen by the world. The radar stations at Cape Santiago and El Lombi have been in use for more than 20 years, and the government previously set aside a budget of 676 million NT to upgrade the installations. Construction at El Lombi is slated to be completed in January next year. Together, the stations in the north and south are the eyes that guard Taiwan's airspace. Turning now to Taiwan's push to become bilingual in English and Chinese. National Sun Yat-sen University is a designated beacon school for the Ministry of Education's bilingual education program. Prior to becoming a benchmark institution, it already had nine graduate programs that taught fully in English. Now it's also opened all English undergraduate classes in three departments, Electrical Engineering, Mechanical and Electromechanical Engineering, and Chemistry. The school also offers opportunities for students to use their English through activities like its English Table program. Year after year, the school will work toward creating a much more immersive English learning environment to cultivate a generation of globalized talent for the international stage. Launched by National Sun Yat-sen University's Shiwan College, the English Table program focuses on oral language practice. Participating students are divided into groups that are led by international students. A different theme is set each week to guide the Taiwanese students in conversation practice. The table leader and I have only English as a common language. Because of that, you force yourself to think in English and to speak in English. You can chat about things, it's good fun. And at the same time, you're practicing your English speaking skills. National Sun Yat-sen University launched English Table in the 2020 academic year to a positive student reception. In the 2021 academic year, it was formally incorporated into the Ministry of Education's program on bilingual education for students in college. Through systematic planning, the school aims to provide a rich, all-English teaching environment. We're letting students engage on the basis of their expertise and knowledge. On top of that, they are interacting with their classmates, their peers, to improve their English abilities one step at a time. As a participant in the program on bilingual education for students in college, National Sun Yat-sen University has established all English classes in three departments, electrical engineering, mechanical and electrical mechanical engineering, and chemistry. This school year, it's held knowledge-building workshops for teachers who use English as a medium of instruction to enhance their ability to teach in English and to strengthen the groundwork of a bilingual campus. It's not just National Sun Yat-sen University. We're hoping to integrate the efforts of universities in this area promoting this bilingual nation by 2030 policy. Besides striving to create the bilingual campus, National Sun Yat-sen University is also a resource for other schools. It plays host to the Ministry of Education's Southern Regional Resource Center for Bilingual Education. This center helps domestic institutions of higher education train faculty who teach using English in order to enhance students' English proficiency and their global competitiveness. 
Alisa National Park in central Taiwan is famous for its so-called sacred trees, which are old trees that can reach a height of over 30 meters. One sacred 1,600-year-old red cypress stands right near the entrance of the park. Other than sacred trees, maple trees are also found in the area. With the changing season, foliage colors are also changing, and now is the perfect time to visit the area. A giant Taiwan red cypress towers over other trees near the entrance of Alishan National Park. It's located at a bend in the road, and that's why it's often overlooked when visitors drive past it. Before, when we came to Alishan, we would go see the sacred tree inside the recreation area. This is the first time we're traveling with the whole family. On our way to Xini Township via the Central Cross Highway, we stumbled upon this 1,600-year-old sacred tree. We're really glad to see it. Maple leaves in the area have started to change color, painting the surrounding hills in autumnal splendor. The maple trees lining the highway that connects Alishan and Yushan offer a visual treat to all travelers. Inside the recreation area, cherry trees dominate the area, but there is one lone maple tree standing three to four stories tall right by the Alishan Hotel dressed in seasonal colors. Because of the recent low temperatures, the maple leaves will begin to change color, getting more and more beautiful. As the epidemic subsides, travelers are returning to the area. Now is actually the best time of the year to view foliage colors. A new series of short films tells the stories of Taoyuan's indigenous elders on screen for the first time. Part of a wide-ranging audiovisual digital archive project, the stories are told through an intimate and inspiring lens. The project is sponsored by Taoyuan Indigenous Peoples Development Foundation. Chen Songming is a member of the Atayao people. He carefully peruses photos which show the tireless fights of his people. This is something he wants his grandchildren and great-grandchildren to be able to see. This film documents the struggles of seven of Taoyuan's indigenous elders. In a moment, when the seven videos are shown, we'll all be able to see the history of how the indigenous peoples came to Taoyuan, which is a heart-rending story. We want to preserve these historical materials so we can hand them on to future generations. Oh. Dr. Gao Yangwei opened his medical clinic in his home village 36 years ago. He and other indigenous elders tell their life stories on screen in the Taoyuan City series. After landing here and putting down roots, they express the whole history of their struggles in Taoyuan, which is something like a fraternal bond. Untold knowledge and wisdom is held in the memories and life stories of these elders. Now, thanks to the filmmaker's art, younger generations can come a step closer to understanding these stories and bridging the gulf between past and future. Spring Festival is approaching once again, but we're still not out of the woods with COVID. And for many, the normal big family get-togethers might be disrupted. For international travelers, unable to leave quarantine on New Year's Eve, hotels are stepping up to the plate with creative solutions. The table is groaning with luxurious dishes. The family gathering for a big New Year's Eve dinner is an annual tradition, but the new variants of the coronavirus could put a break on big gatherings for a second year running. Hotels are having to find flexible solutions. 
Here, they're offering individual New Year's dinner deliveries in takeaway boxes. Travelers who stay here for their quarantine can enjoy the exact same meal as their families in far places and connect online. What we know now is that it's hard to even get a booking in a quarantine hotel. Lots of people may be forced to spend New Year alone in a hotel. But travelers can enjoy exactly the same New Year spread as their family in individual portions. The theme this year is none other than bringing the four seafood delicacies, abalone, sea cucumber, shark fin and fish maw, into our menu. The hotel says that New Year takeaway bookings have soared in recent days. Bookings are 50% higher than they were this time last year. Lots of people are thinking ahead to New Year and planning their get-togethers early. And with COVID still in the picture, businesses have got to get creative. Heavy rain advisories are in effect for Geelong and mountain parts of Greater Taipei. Elsewhere in the north, the weather will dry out starting Tuesday afternoon, although temperatures are expected to stay low in the range of 15 to 18 degrees. In central Taiwan, watch out for even colder temperatures that dip below 14 degrees. Over Tuesday and Wednesday, northeasterly winds are expected to strengthen, bringing a chance of gale force gusts in Yunling and regions north of it. Forecasters say that a new, stronger wave of northeasterly winds is due to sweep in next Monday, so get set for more winter weather coming your way.